You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. To another episode of the Stardom Road Podcast. I am your host, as always, Scott Edwards, and with me is my grand old host, Trent Brewerd. Uh busy, busy guy. You're just back from Japan. Like literally just back from Japan. Of course, I told everyone that you were going there last episode, right? The headache mm. episode. We knew why you were going there, pretty much for Hameka. Yes. Uh, so how was your trip? It was good. It was good. Obviously, there's um a few other podcasts I'm on talking about that stuff, and it's a little bit more thematic, I guess. Uh, but mm. all in all, it was a great trip. I got to take in a lot of wrestling. Uh, refilled the live wrestling meter for me. You know, it's been running on empty for a couple of years now for one reason or another, um, but it's nice to finally be back in the arenas and back in the buildings and getting to see this thing that I love and spend far too much time talking about. Hey. We do that all the time. I talk about it too much. Um, but of course, today uh, we'll kick off our three-part series. Mm-hmm. Not to go right into it, but uh, we're I, going I, right I, into it. Th- this this is important. Um, these three episodes are some of the more important ones. Um, not saying every, not everyone's important, but uh, this is this is a little meaningful for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we are. If you read the title, if you listened to the end of the last episode, why, why would you not be looking at the title? Like I know I we know. always say this, but like yeah, it's like you're not just clicking on this thing blind. You know what you're getting into. You would hope. Hopefully, not. you. Hmm? You would hope not, but I mean, maybe some people are just like let's shuffle this thing and see what happens. True, true. I, 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 you'd have to be a madman to shuffle podcasts, to be honest. Our podcast works that way, though. Not when there's multi-part series. Well, no, but I mean, like, part two of Arisa Hoshiki. Now let's jump into. If you're just jumping into our podcast, like I don't know, a little ways down the road, it would work. But right, if you're just finding us, like, oh, let me let's see what brings us in the show part two. Because I will say, what we do good with the parts is like. You don't te- technically need to hear part one for some reason. Like with the Arisa Shiki one, you the part two is like the most the you know the meat of her run, so it would work yeah, obviously. Yeah. But you whatever. Anyways, we're talking. You can make is, it this, work. This is a very important episode. We are talking today, next episode, and the episode after that about the one and only Hana Kimura. Unless um, you got it on shuffle. Unless you got it on shuffle. Um, this is. Um, it's something that obviously we've both had to talk about or um, write about or, Mm. you know, something of the sorts. And of course, uh, May 23rd, every year it comes around. It's a tough day for Joshi fans worldwide. It'll always be a tough day for Joshi fans worldwide. Joshi wrestlers worldwide. You feel it every single year. Um, And we, I have, I have personally, um, Went out of my way to do special podcast episodes for her past two years. This will be my entry this year. Yeah. Uh, past two years, I've you know talked to different people about Hana Kimura and kind of what they meant to her and stuff like that because I think 
for some people you just need to get that off your chest mm-hmm. um and for others and really the idea for me was to celebrate her life because yeah. you know i was just talking to you about this before the show and the sad you know fact of the matter is you look up hana Kimura, you never get to learn you never really get to see anything about her wrestling mm-hmm. career um, and I think that's a shame because, you know, what she was and what she was going to become is an absolute superstar, right? We're, we're coming off the heels here of the biggest stardom show ever, right? Hmm. I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but I pr- I'm pretty confident she would have been a very big part of that, um, whether it be the main event or somewhere high up on that card, right? Um, you know, maybe, maybe she was facing Mercedes when they, you know, something like that, but uh anyways you know there's been a lot of great tributes through the years there's been a lot of great um matches that are tributes uh we're gonna we're gonna hit all that in the series but most Mm. importantly we are going to talk about the career of hanukkah um mostly the stardom career of course because this is the stardom road podcast but we will touch on her training we'll touch on her pre-stardom because she didn't officially sign until 2019 she Mm. was going here there and everywhere for a while there um you know and i think it's important to kind of hit all the marks because i think a lot of people still you know know hanukkah from very little they may know tcs Mm -hmm. tokyo cyber squad they may know her from ring of honor um or they unfortunately just know her from her passing and we're here to help you learn about the wonderful life that was hanukkah Moore and the wonderful career that she had yeah and one of the reasons why you know we like to split these into three parts where we can is because these wrestlers do have very vibrant and long-standing careers even if they didn't necessarily go for decades like some wrestlers do and this gives us a chance to properly dive into the career of Hannah Kimura because obviously, yeah, as you touched on, Scott, now in 2023 and moving forward, unfortunately, you, you look up Hannah Kimura in Go- uh, on Google and all you get is, you know, memories of Hannah Kimura, memories of, you know, moving on from her passing and trying to remember, um, you know, what, what she was about. But it's all caked in that, you know, idea of we lost her too early and what we want to be able to do in this time is obviously still recognize that and still understand that but we want to dive into the career proper and actually help people understand you know over the course of these three episodes uh, the full extent of the Hanukkah experience going from outside of stardom her initial stardom run her you know Mexican excursion, which was very important in the long run in that transition she had from, you know, Oeno Tire to Tokyo Cyber Squad and sort of everything in between. There's a lot here in quite a short career to cover. Um, and Stardom Road allows us to dive into it properly. In not saying others don't do it properly, but, you know, give it the full breadth of understanding and hopefully whether you come in having walked the entire Hanukkah Stardom Road before or whether you only really know her from the memorial shows and the, you know, the treasured memories that people have, uh, hopefully you can get a lot out of this outside of just remembering what could have been. Yeah, I mean, and then well, what I love about our shows is like, obviously we can do whatever we want, but at the same time, you know, we, we're going to, I'll, I'll pretty much set the set the you know standing of how we're going to break mm. these down 
for everyone. Um, so this episode will be about her, you know, her training, getting into wrestling, obviously her relationship with her mother, Kyoko Kimura, um, training wrestle one mm-hmm. and the most, maybe one of, maybe her most popular run for some. And that was her run in Oedo tie, of course, mm-hmm. where she really made her first mark. Of course, the uh, second episode will be talking about the Tokyo cyber squad run, which of mm-hmm. course, one of the most popular factions in stardom history, despite not being around all that long, mm. um, just because of really those the whole crew of characters that that was and how Hana was able to bring out the best of pretty much everyone in a unique way. Um, and then, of course, also in that episode, we will talk about her passing. Um, we will talk about the aftermath we'll talk about the celebration shows mm-hmm. right like matinee in bagas and by then i for, i forget when the last episode comes out so i'm not gonna I'm not, i don't want to promise anything um so the last episode will come out that day i believe oh no no, no. it'll come out the week after so we will be able to talk about pinks as well or mm-hmm. the week after i should say um we did that on purpose so we could kind of talk about it all. Um, we do plan be- these things, believe it or not. Yeah, we do. I swear. Um, but yeah, so we're, we we could have lined it up obviously to come out on the twenty third, but we wanted to kind of give some room to that. We'll talk about Pink's on the last episode where mm-hmm. we will talk about our favorite matches mm-hmm. from her career, which you know are a long list. She has like one of the most interesting careers because she was such a unique wrestler um you know before and after yeah right um and that'll be a lot of fun too and we'll and we'll talk about her legacy as a whole as we often do but as we like to do on the first episode right we did this with Hameka we did this with Arisa Shiki um we'll talk a little bit about how you know we were as fans of her um uh, I'll, I'll let Trent go first obviously Trent I know you have you have a connection you know as a fan, right? You, your favorite wrestler of all time happened to be, you know, pretty much her right hand woman at one point. Yes. Um, so talk a little bit about Hana Kimura and uh, how much you enjoyed her presence. So I uh, look, when I first started following Joshi wrestling, it was around the time as I started to get more serious that Hana Kimura kind of joined stardom. So in many ways, my, my stardom road coincides with her stardom road. And at the time, like, her outside of some stuff, I was only vaguely aware of, like, I would see footage and stuff, but I didn't have a lot of context. And it was always kind of confusing seeing the two different versions of Hunter, which we'll get into more uh, context with as we go forward in this episode. Um, But she struck me straight away. Like, as I was getting into Joshi trying to make sense of it all, from the moment I saw her, from whether it was just be pictures or the way she carried herself in the ring, it was just instantly like, oh, this is someone I should be paying attention to. Uh, this is someone I see a very bright future for. And it was so great to get to see her progression come through because she was very basic when she started out, and I mean that in a good way. Like, mm-hmm. she didn't overcomplicate her moveset, but what she did have, she did very well. And it was fun seeing her develop and adapt that and become more uh, affluent in the ring, Mm. find her style a bit more, see the ups and downs. Like it wasn't all up sailing, you know, when she came back and was experimenting post-Oedo tie. It didn't always work. 
Um, but it was fun seeing that progression and that final form, which was the Tokyo Cyber Squad Hanakamura, which really felt like, yeah, even no, who knows how long the career could have gone for, but that felt like the world beating main event star, you know, most talked about wrestler vibe that you would get from someone that we thought Hanakamura could reach. Yeah, it felt like she'd found that in Tokyo Cyber Squad Hanakamura. And it was, yeah, she was always one of my favourites. Uh, I was very fortunate enough to see her wrestle twice, once as Owato Tai, once as Tokyo Cyber Squad. And not that I had a long intro, uh, chance to talk to her, but she was just an incredible sweetheart behind the scenes. And uh, you could see the genuineness in her. It wasn't an act. Uh, she seemed to genuinely want her fans to enjoy themselves at these shows. And then she'd go out there and put on an absolute masterclass show. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I have a much different uh, pathway to Hanukkah Um uh, when I was getting into Joshi, finally, she had passed. So, uh, mm. you know, obviously, uh, that, that, that's the, I remember, you know, kind of that day. We're not going to talk about that day. No, I don't want to talk about that day. No. Um, but I vividly remember watching a match um, when I was getting into it. I, you know, I went through the history of stardom. Uh, I think I've said that on the show. Um, but it, but if you're listening out of out of uh, order, you have no idea. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I was watching through the history of Stardom to really get into Joshi, really get into Stardom, and I will never forget watching some random match with a waiter tie, thinking Hanukkah was the coolest wrestler in the world, and having no idea it was Hanukkah because I didn't. Mm. I I did this unique thing where I didn't want to see names. I just wanted to become a fan, just. Just because, like, I, yeah. I, I didn't want to know anyone because I knew mm. names by then. I knew names, right? Um, but I, uh, I just vividly remember that I was like, she, "This is the coolest person ever." Like, what? Uh, and uh, obviously, you know, it, it, it's sad that I, I never got to watch like a live show of hers or anything like that um, because I think when I got in, they were, you know, they did a few shows right before uh, in COVID before mm. you know, kind of shutting down again. Um, but I, I didn't really go, I didn't get to live until towards the end of really COVID because I was just catching up on so much. I wanted to be, I wanted to be informed and it was a good time to get informed, right? Cause they weren't running as much. Um, and so much had changed and yeah, I think I started at the end of 2019, um, 2019. Yeah. And that's kind of where I got into it. Um, those, those, those couple of days, cause Risa Shiki and Hanukkah mm. became two of my favorites. And, uh, before I ever caught up, they, you know, were no longer wrestling, which is not great, but, uh, yeah, she, she was like, she just brought all the attention to her without doing anything. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Like she just had, she was a ray of. I don't know. There's just some. She's infectious in a lot of ways. Her personality, um, just her her existence, almost in any show in any match. And she didn't need to be the best worker to be the best, if that makes yeah. sense, right? Yeah. Like I think a lot of the times you kind of lose focus on that, or not. You know, some fans do, and she had that feeling that I don't know if anyone. In stardom has 
that's no. not a shot at stardom either. That the stardom roster right now is the most unbelievable roster I've ever seen, yeah. like in my life for a women's roster. Um, but she just had something about her that was undeniable. Um, and it's I've wild. always compared her to the rock in the sense that yeah, the rock was never the best in-ring technician. Yeah, he was a good worker, but like you weren't going to him for you know 45 minute mat classics. Right, right. But the moment he would walk into an arena, all eyes were on him, regardless yeah. of whether like the entrance music hit or anything. You you just couldn't help but pay attention yeah. to okay, this is someone I need to care about. He just had that aura about him. Yeah. And Hana Komura was the same to me. Yeah, one one thousand percent. And I know for so many people it's tough to talk about her, but I love talking about her because she brings a smile to my face naturally. Mm. Right. Thinking about like just thinking about the first time I saw her in a match and um you know, just some of the you know, skits. I call them skits. The 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 what she did with the tie and what she did with Tokyo Cyber Squad, like we're gonna talk about this next episode, but the stardom draft where she picked Tokyo Cyber Squad is like one of the funniest things, but also like one of the purest things. Mm. You could it's like the exact perfect example. Who was Hanakamura? Just watch this. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that was uh that was really special. Um, but yeah, I, enough me and trying, I guess, talking about you know that we'll 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 gush over Hana more and more as this goes on. But we're gonna talk about, of course, her pre Tokyo Cyber Squad career, mm. which is a lot. It's actually a lot more than the Tokyo Cyber Squad career, but the Tokyo Cyber Squad career is of course where she made her biggest impact for some mm. um a lot of people. Uh so let's get into it, shall we? Of course, Hana Kimura at the age of seven <laughs> won the DDT Ironman Heavy Metal Weight Championship. Um because of course she did. Why why wouldn't she? I feel left out that I've never held this championship because at this point in time, it feels like if you haven't been a DDT Iron Metal Heavyweight Champion, then you're in the minority. Would you like to hear a fun fact about this title, folks? If, if you maybe don't know much about DDT, um, this this title, as of this recording, is on its 1,566 champion. You're welcome. <laughs> and uh, if you ever want to entertain yourself just go through the wikipedia of ch uh, former champions yes yes yeah, um, that's all we're gonna say that is that the I title think. that the young bucks book was champion of if anyone yes. wants to like yes. remember i remember that going viral purposely um so just to give an idea so she was a champion before her wrestling career ever started mm -hmm. and she lost the title before her career ever started to her mother Kyoko Kimura on the same yeah. day because why the hell? DDT. <laughs> um, of course, Kyoko Kimura, legend in her own right. Um, I, th I think that's like the crazy thing to me yeah. is I and a lot of people know Kyoko Kimura because she was Hana's mom. And I think that's how she wants to be remembered, right? Yeah. But yeah. she had an incredible career. Mm. Um, incredible wrestling career that uh, you know she did a lot of big things. Uh, you know, I'll let I'll kind of let Trent go into that a little bit. I didn't set him up for this, by the way. I, we were talking about Hana, but I know he's got this. Um, and with you know Kyoko, um, 
you you see a lot of why hana was the way she was when mm. you when you see kyoko right um we, we live in a time now where mercedes monet is hung, hanging out with uh kyoko and jungle kiona it's like it's the most wonderful thing um, yeah uh, because that's kind of who kyoko was and by by you know default that's what hana became was that pure soul that uh mm. but it was so funny because kyoko was not that when she was a wrestler <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, Kyoko is the reason we have Oedo Tai. She was yep. one of the co-founders alongside Akiyasakawa. You know, she influenced the early vibes of Oedo Tai. And from, in many ways, she was arguably maybe the most important member in its history because she was there at the beginning and she was there at the handover to Kigetsu when the golden era would really, truly come to be. And, you know, Kyoko had, as you mentioned, incredible career in her own right, was one of the sort of, you know, Joshi freelancers that would always kind of catch her eye. She did wild stuff, like she was a just a wild brawler. She literally did a double stomp off the balcony of Kurokan Hall onto a wrestler, onto the bleachers, which to this day is one of the most like wince-inducing spots I've seen, both for Kyoko and the person who had to take the bloody move, who broke their ribs in the process. Um, but like just the idea that someone would do that kind of move should give you an instant understanding of the kind of wrestler Kyoko was. And then to see behind the scenes, you know, she was a very caring and you know, welcoming person. She had her own kind of coffee stall that she would park outside Shinkiba. And it was just like, she felt like a family member to a lot of wrestlers. And that translates to, you know, as any good mother has kind of passes on to her daughter, Hana very much came across that same way. You see not just the wrestling style come through from Kyoko Kimura, but the heart and the, you know, just the energy coming through with Hana as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, Kyoko uh, Kimura, of course, like like Tred said, um, part of the reason. A way to tie is what it is. Mm. Um, of course, you know, big part of Hana, career, uh, Hana Kimura's career is being part of that group. But, long, you know, before that, she started her training in the Wrestle One Dojo. Of course, that yeah. is the promotion uh, formerly owned by Keiji Muto, um, who uh, you know, kind of. I, I always, I always like to give respect to Muto in this is that he he really did appreciate women's wrestling, right? Mm, he mm. this is the reason it was on his final show in the Tokyo Dome. He could have not, he didn't have to have it, but he did yeah. on purpose and. Um, he always had an appreciation for that, and uh, I, I believe she was trained by Ka- Kazayashi, who, of course, was like kind of their ace. Um, yeah. There, uh, you know, Wrestle One, which is closed now, if you haven't figured it out. <laughs> um, Wrestle One, it, it had a really big impact, kind of on wrestling as a whole. Um, if you look at like people that came from that promotion, yeah. um, of course, the reigning IWGP uh, World Heavyweight Champion Sonata, um, you know, spent a good good chunk in uh wrestle one um but but if you look at like every promote every puro promotion especially there's there's wrestle one uh connection there um but hanukamura i think i think that will be like something if you're listening to this maybe you didn't know is that hanukamura is wrestle one trained which uh, Mm. i think really made her so unique in ring compared to the stardom roster right and, and you and you talked about this perfectly earlier how she had a more basic style but what she mm. did was really good 
And I think that kind of does play to the differences between stardom's training and other places, right? Uh, stardom kind of lets you get a little bit more advanced, I think, mm. in terms of your mm. move set. Um, while pretty much everywhere else in Japan's like very, very basic, very young lionish type skill set, right? Mm. And that uh, was not the that didn't change uh, too much for you know Hana who debuted, and you'll you'll see those vibes to the very end of her career is she still had those basics down um, yeah which is uh, i think that's what again made her shine yeah because the thing is like anyone can go out there and try and attempt something beyond their means and you know this isn't to knock Sai Kamatani at all but like when she debuted she's doing a lot of flashy moves which didn't always hit the mark but like it's very easy to get yourself over quickly by using that kind of flash to get yourself over with fundamentals, I think requires a, a more complete package, and that's something that the a lot of the puro uh, dojos do really well. Is that you know they drill in these fundamentals, so you get young lions who you know they can do all this stuff in their sleep perfectly, and that was very much what you got with someone like Hana. Was you know she didn't get over by doing flips or fancy stuff from the beginning. She had two ways to get herself over: good fundamentals and just innate charisma, and she had both. And I think a lot of that is due to her heritage, you know, coming from a second-generation wrestler like Yoko Kimura, growing up watching wrestling, you know, she was taken to shows, she did the merchandise stand, she for years had wrestlers coming up saying, oh, so when are you getting in the ring? And, you know, you follow through uh, Hannah's history and she's talking about how she wanted to become an idol, so she did some idol work in Okinawa. She wanted to become a model and dance, and she did this stuff. And wrestling was always kind of there, calling to her. And she didn't necessarily go straight to it. She kind of rejected it a bit. But, you know, Kyoko kind of laid it down and said, give it a go. And she said, okay, I'll give it a go for a bit, see how we find it. And even if there were times when she wanted to give it up, she had that dedication to keep pushing forward. And we now see the kind of, you know, what came from that. And a lot of that was because of, you know, the background that led to her getting in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Very well said, obviously. And, um, I think what's it, uh, this is an interesting note. Obviously, she made her debut. Uh, she made her debut, her official debut, not the uh, DDT Iron <laughs> Heavy Metal uh, title, but she made her official uh, debut in March 30th, 2016, at the W uh, the Wrestle One Pro Wrestling Training Academy first graduation class show uh, against Rika Saki who, of course, she went on to become a Princess of Princess champion in mm. uh, TJPW. She's one of, like, I think three or four non-pillars to actually win yeah. the top title in TJPW, which is an and interesting fact. She stood out very quickly. You know, she yes. had a fantastic look, the muscle idol gimmick. Yeah. Um, and, you know, those two came up through Wrestle One together, and, you know, that their friendship formed very quickly. Yes, and... And she, of course, retired in 2022. Um, officially, she had been on a wrestling uh, for a while there, but she officially retired in 2022. Um, she then went on, and they they traded matches back and forth. I should add, um, mm. that was kind of their first couple matches together, which I think again plays to what you said of how um, she created a bond. Right? It, it, it's kind of like um, you know what we talked about with that Arisa Shiki 
podcast, right? Um, when we talked about her and Mayu, they were wrestling each other back and forth, back and forth, because yeah. they came up together. And it, it's interesting to kind of look at it that way. Um, and she'd spend time in JWP, mm-hmm. Oz Academy, uh, Sendai Girls is a big one. That was that was kind of like her second home uh, for a long time there. Yeah. Um, she, she had some great matches there, obviously. Um, and of course, she'd make her stardom debut um, because this is a stardom. I don't. I don't know if you know this is a stardom podcast. Uh, in Not September, she rode. Yes, on September twenty second, twenty sixteen, as part of Oedo Tai, of course, teaming mm-hmm. with Kagetsu and Kyoko Kimura uh, to defeat Jakey Gre- uh Jakey i'm not even gonna try to say it again you know, I, yeah. I messed it up enough uh but of course she she debuted there um and in in cork and hall that's important i feel like that's pretty important i always like to point out yeah. when uh someone's official debut in some form is at cork and hall but instantly into the oedo tie picture and what hana would go on to do through oedo tie is really what molded her to become one of the true uh, best, right mm. in in mm. stardom, um, in women's wrestling. Um, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll breeze over a little bit of um, the uh, Sunday Girl stuff because I don't want to completely skip that. But yeah, the Oedo Tai stuff is obviously really important, and I, I know you have fond memories, of course, of the Oedo Tai stuff as you talked about earlier. Mm. Um, but instantly. Right when she joins the way to tie, it feels like an instant impact in a lot of ways because, you know, we and I like to make comparisons to today. Right, we we see wrestlers like the likes of a Suzuki, for example, a Starlight Kid, Azumi. You say, oh, that's a future star. Mm, mm. That's a future top star in this company, and that goes for Hanakamura as well. Yeah, and what was beautiful about this was. Even if you'd been following Hanakamura in the independence prior to this stardom debut, it still felt like a big kind of rush of like change because the Hanakamura that we've seen stardom at this point with Oedo Tai is a completely different Hanakamura to what you were seeing in Sendai Girls and Wrestle One. And I, I think this is such a fascinating thing because obviously when a wrestler is young and they're learning the ropes and still building themselves. Typically, like, they would take on one character and spend that time kind of finding their feet with it. And here she is, you know, within her first full year of wrestling, and she's got two vastly different characters that she's running concurrently. You've got the happy-go-lucky, we both referred to as kind of the cheerleader gimmick that she had with the pink and the white or the red and the white. And then in Oedo Tai, she comes in, you know, very sort of, gothic emo-y kind of look the black kimono the full black everything with the red accent piece and you know going from you know the the girl next door to kind of the smoke show sexualized you know character um it's a complete whiplash and it's incredible like how well she handles those changes from show to show promotion to promotion at such a young age as a wrestler in her second match in stardom she was a champion it was yeah. it was kagetsu um kyoko kimura and hana kimura defeating and and this is i feel like this is pretty important they didn't just defeat anyone to become the artist of stardom champions they defeated freedom io shirai 
Kyrie Hojo and Mayu Iwatani uh, to become the champions and instantly give Hanakamura her first title in stardom. Um, Mayu, that doesn't scream, huh? Mayu is 0-2 against the Hana here. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't scream, you know, superstar, get it, mm. you know, get ready, right? Second match title. Um, and, and that was obviously also like a big moment for Oedo Tai too, mm. um, right? Uh, Hana, and and with Hana, my, this is my favorite thing, like w- watching back to these times. It's unbelievable, like at how young she was, how confident she was, and you, yeah. you that that goes to what you're saying, right? How she was able to switch between these two characters like it was nothing. Mm. That's not something someone at her age at that time could just do. Yeah. Right. At this time, I think she was uh, 18, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's sure. Right. It's like, yeah. I, I think, I think people kind of got used to almost like wrestlers doing that now. But seeing this was her first year wrestling, mm. <laughs> it's all the more impressive. Yeah. And, and both characters felt so natural to her. You know, like, yeah, I first saw her as Oedo Taihan and Kimura, and I was like, oh, yeah, this makes perfect sense. Like, I can believe this being her outside of the ring. And then the whiplash of seeing her in, like, the Wrestle 1 style, but then watching her perform in that gimmick, and it's like, actually, no, this this feels like her outside of the ring. And that's not something you can easily pull off with one character, let alone two. Now... I think I, to go back to the Sendai girls part, because again, I didn't want to forget that. Mm. Um, she had a, you know, kind of a really great run in Sendai girls. That's that, I think, again, that's the crazy part of all this is like everyone uh, uh, connects her to starter, understandably so. But as I said earlier, she didn't sign there until 2019. She was going yeah. here, there and everywhere. And Sendai girls was her second home. Um, right. If if Stardom was her first and Send That Girls was her second, of course, we we talk about the great relationships she created, and you see them really come through on these tri- uh, tribute shows that we see her. Um, that's her mother, of course, runs. You know, Asuka, Asuka Veni, a key mm. part of that. Um, they they teamed up a lot. Um, pretty much, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I, I, I wish I, if I had the first time they teamed up in front of me, I would tell you. Um, but they they were they were really connected on a personal level from very early on, and and that comes down to the acceptance, right? That mm. Hana had for, of course, someone like Asuka, of course, Asuka, um, transgender, um, and that I think again plays to just who hana was right everyone is different everyone is special that is a life motto that she lived mm. by. that it was that wasn't just a catchphrase and uh her relationship with oscar which we feel to this very day i feel like every mm. time oscar wrestles she wrestles for hana in a lot of ways right yeah. she kind of she captures that same attitude that hana kimura captured right mm-hmm. um i'll never forget when um, oscar was in the aew tournament she wore hana's kimono um yeah. that's a very special um relationship 
uh, the first time do her by Kyoko as well. I think that's important yes, to say. Yes, mm. yes. The first time they ever wrestled against one another per cage match. I don't, you know, they probably missed the date. Um, well, we know cage match is always right. Oh yeah. Well, I like to say that because I obviously I will be wrong here, and someone will correct me. Uh, but the first time was in 2018. Um, she te- Hana actually teamed with Natsumi Maki. Which of course is Natsupoi against Asuka and um Hiro Nagahama in Wrestle One. They wrestled multiple times as well in Wrestle One. They also fought over the Regina de Wave championship mm. in Wave, um, which uh was when Asuka was champion. Asuka had a great run, by the way, if anyone wants to. Asuka Asuka's been great also forever. Like th- that's the crazy part. I, I, I is Asuka twenty-four? Yes. Yeah, she's twenty-four. And she's been, you know, we're talking in 2018, it's 2023 now, right? And yeah. and she has just like these incredible moments from back then. Um, then they they would become a team after that. Um, after that title match, um, they'd face the likes of Natsumi Maki and Sayori Inu. Timing, timing. Mm-hmm. Um, they face Sakura Hirota and Yuki Miyazaki. Um, Kari Oniyama and Tsubasa Kuragaki. They would uh, team up. Uh, to challenge for the Wave Tag Team titles against Boston Mommies, Mio Momono, and Yumi Oka um, in Pro Wrestling Wave. They'd also team up against Haruo Matsumoto, Kari Oniyama, Miyuki Tase, and Saki, and so on and so forth. That's all the way into 2019. Uh, I believe right before she officially signed. Um, yep. And again, that's a special relationship that I just wanted to highlight um, because we're going to get more back into the Ueda Tai side of things here, but that it's one that I know I've gone out of my way to watch mm. between the two, especially because I learned about Asuka and their relationship, obviously, sadly, after they passed. And I, when I, she wore the kimono, that was like, oh, well, I need to, you know, I need to see them together. And they just yeah. were like, they just, they worked off each other so well. I think for a lot of people, especially outside of Japan, their introduction to Asuka Veni was through Hana Kamoa. Mm-hmm. And I know for myself, that was my introduction. Asuka's career goes back to 2015. But for a lot of people, they didn't really get to know who Asuka was until the tag team with Hana Kamoa. And now, like, she's one of the hottest independent wrestlers in Japan. And, you know, she's getting gigs over in America. And, you know, obviously, it's like one of the first people you think of with the Hana Kamoa Memorial shows. Uh, their connection was that strong. And it's nice to see her still keeping that memory alive all these years. And as you kind of said, like, the way Asuka wrestles, it does feel like it's an ever-loving tribute to Hana. Yeah, it really does. Um, back to Aotai now. Um, she obviously made an impact early, right? Our star mm. champions, like we said. Um, she get her first singles opportunity after they lost the titles. They lost the titles to Queen's Quest. Azumi, Hazuki, and Yoshirai, you may have heard of them. Uh, <laughs> they, I, think they, I think they've done pretty well for themselves. As well, uh, she challenged for the Wonder Stardom for the championship for the first time ever in April twenty second, twenty seventeen. Uh, for those wondering, that is almost a year to the date that she debuted in pro wrestling. Yeah. Um, so again, kind of big spot, right? And that's like the one, and maybe that's a critique that some people will come to now in Stardom is you don't always get those opportunities so early because there's just so many people. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you know, wrestlers start a little earlier. Uh, and also, like, let's be honest, like, the right person gets those opportunities. Mariah came in and got her 
championship on the first month of her appearance. This is true. Hana had to wait a bit longer than that on a weaker roster. I think it is also important, like this particular title match, straight away she's thrust into not only obviously a big uh, opportunity here, but like what she did during these months, because obviously they lost the championships and then both Kyoko and Kigetsu kind of disappeared for a bit. And for quite a while, Hunter was waving the Oedo Tai flag on her own. Oedo Tai, for all intents and purposes, should have died at this moment mm. before before this championship match. But she had to keep that flag flying, which is incredibly difficult for a heel on their own in such a faction-heavy system like Stardom. Even back then, before they were full-on faction faction. That's asking a lot for someone at her age and her level of experience. And, you know, she kept it going until this match and then Kigetsu came back. And this is the beginning of the Oedo tie that so many people remember fondly, myself included. That that Oedo tie may be the most beloved faction. Like, yeah. that era, most beloved faction mm. in stardom history. I got um, into stardom because of Mayu. Jungle Kiano became one of my favorites. But stardom became one of my favorites because of this Oedo tie. Yeah, there's there's so many great uh, people that I've talked to kind of about that time. Mm. Again, because a lot of my, and I'll happily admit this, a lot of my learning came through other people purposely, um, mm. you know, because they, I think a lot of people had connections to this Oedo tie. Even, you know, I could say Hanakamura, but it was this Oedo tie overall, right? Mm. The, the comedic aspect that they had, but as like they were just so lovable as heels that yeah. it's it's almost like something you just you can never repeat. It's it was that special. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with Kagetsu at the top and and you know the importance of what Kagetsu was to stardom, which will never be forgotten. I, I look no. forward to the Kagetsu episodes. Um Right, man. Get to episodes. Yeah, that that'll be very because there's a lot of chapters to that as as yeah. well. Um, and then there's the aspect of kind of Hana was really good at comedy, mm-hmm. like because she could be so serious, and then she could just she could upset anyone at any <laughs> any moment, and and any like if you ever want to like just get a laugh. Watch her backstage segments. It can be from mm-hmm. Oedotai. It can be from TCS. It can be from anything. You will always walk away entertained by Hanukkah. Yeah. And um, you can pretty much just turn on any match from back then. And you get pretty lucky and you'll find something good. Um, and her relationships with the entire group mm-hmm. obviously is what carried her, you know, down, you know, until her very last match in a lot of ways. It's, Right, the stuff with Suzuki, um, obviously, is a big um, part that I th- I don't know if everyone knows about that. We'll talk more about that um, next episode, um, and then because of Matane too, uh, that's yeah. very important, right? That kind of and I I always forget like about the Hazuki aspect of that. Cause I think you're right. Kagetsu's return to wrestling was big, obviously a big, huge deal. Mm. That's what pretty much brought Hazuki back to wrestling. Yeah. Full time. Yeah. So uh, Hanakura again, goes through everyone in a lot of ways. Um, is there anything like any, um, a way to time moments 
because I, I don't want to read through her you know her mm. her schedule here yeah she had a lot of success big mm. shock uh right her her and kagetsu became tag team champions of course that was a killer run and you know to the very end the the relationship with kagetsu that's what brought out the best of hana yeah in matches mm. to the, and and i know for a lot of people their favorite starter match of all time is Kigetsu versus Hanakamura. Yeah. Um, so so asking you, you know, we've talked about it. What are some of your favorite moments, whether it be out of the ring or in the ring, that you know jump out for you in Hanakamura? So I mean well, the obvious the obvious answer is that uh Grand Prix match with Kigetsu in terms of in ring and then the subsequent match, which we have talked about on here before, the um Oedotai versus Queen's Quest uh gauntlet elimination faction thing um but for me always the fondest memories for hunter kamora and really oedo tai during this period is the the skits the pre-match promos the in-ring stuff that they would do like it is the perfect example of you know chuck on a random oedo tai match from this time and you will be entertained by their antics um her connection with Chris Wolf was kind of like almost like the, you know, Chris Wolf being the pet and, you know, Hanukamura kind of just having fun with her. Her relationship with Tan Nakano, which is just feels so pure and wonderful in all of the stuff they would do. And then the uh, introduction of Natsu Samir, who wasn't as well received by Tam and Hana. And you see those two kind of become closer in their hatred for Natsu. And then, you know, how they would slowly get won over by Natsu and, you know, towards the end of that run of Oedo Tai, like, Hunter's there dancing with Natsu and, like, it makes sense that those two would get along so well once they got over that initial, like, who's this bitch that's coming <laughs> through Getsu's introduction. And, yeah, because Hana was, saw herself and Tam Nakano as the visual for Oedo Tai. And then Natsu Samir comes in and does all the, you know, the dirty dancing and the, you know, showing off kind of thing, which rubbed them the wrong way. But and it was, it made so much sense as this big dysfunctional uh, rabble family of outcasts that just work so well together. If you've never seen this version of this version, especially of O Tai, I always compared it to early Los Ingobernables de Japón. You know, they were they were heels. They would break the rules. They would cheat. But they would have so much fun doing it, and their connection was so infectious that you wanted to cheer for them. And you couldn't help but, like, I think a lot of wrestling fans are naturally kind of maybe lean towards more of the outcast. You know, when I was growing up, wrestling wasn't cool. You know, I, you know, comic books and stuff weren't cool. You know, you were kind of an outcast by liking that kind of thing. And you then see LIJ or Oedo Tai, and so I get it. You know, I feel that kind of way. So even though they're doing the quote-unquote wrong thing and cheating against the faces, you just feel a connection to them. And Hanukkah was just that kind of pure energy and yeah, chaotic, chaotic evil, but also had such a devilish smile that you couldn't help but want to cheer for them. And, yeah, it was... It's really something like we can talk it up for hours on these podcasts, but the best way to enjoy it is to go back and watch. Like mm. when Mayu Watani got injured, yeah, you know, Oedotai would kidnap her and hold her hostage backstage. And even when you don't speak Japanese and those segments aren't translated, like you just, they're so entertaining because of the characters that they were putting forth. And it's just, it is pure magic for this period of time with Oedotai. 
as I said, this is what made me fall in love with Stardom proper. It's always better to watch those than talk about them, right? Because we were unable to capture the entertainment of yeah. what those were, right? You can explain one thing, but it's a whole different thing the other way. And you, you bring up that match with Kigetsu, of course, from the five-star Grand Prix. Um, in, in some ways, maybe Hana's breakout match in terms of being a singles competitor mm. Um and that will be one we watch. So we Absolutely. won't we won't do the we won't do the full analysis now, uh, but we will be watching that as part of this third episode. Um, and in that five star Grand Prix, she ended up with eight points. So yes. again, respectable, a respectable total. Because um, the whole story was they were going to get her the Grand Prix victory. Yeah, and yes. this match tied into that. Also, feels important to kind of take a step back here and in the relationship with jungle kiona right we talked about that first match hanakamura mm-hmm. had it was against jungle kiona momo and mayu um and when the when hana and kagetsu won the tag team titles it was beating team jungles haroya matsumoto and jungle kiona so mm-hmm. i do want to bring that up because when we get to tcs obviously that'll be a major part of yes. the discussion um now they had a really great title reign, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna pass the title reign by any means. Like this was this was in a lot of ways on his best title reign. Well they won the best tag team award for 2017 in stardom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and which is obviously a big deal. They held the titles for I just had the number, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone. 347 days. There we go. Uh, yeah. So obviously, like, which is a, mind you, a big deal with these titles because these titles were rarely held long, let alone nearly a year, right? Mm. If you if you go back in time, there's very few times the belt the belts are held that long. Um, this, I believe it's the second longest reign after Thunder Rock, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Um, Again, and this is peak places. freedom era. You know, you had Io Shirai at her best. You had Mayu Watani fastly rising up into the top sort of period. So for a group to hold the titles that long really does speak to their value. It does. It does. And and I I personally loved seeing them wrestle just as much as the skits, these two, because they brought the skits to life in the ring, right? Yeah. Um, and... Of course, you know, as we as we move to 2018, 2018 is a major year mm. for Hanukkah. Um, for more reasons than one. Of course, there is the um excursion to Mexico, which is you know, you made a great point. This is where the f- switch almost flips a lot in a lot of ways, right? For yeah. her. Um, the promotions were I don't okay, I'm not gonna lie to you. Don't know if I'm gonna say these right. Uh it was Chaos Lucha Libre. Um it was, as everyone can tell, I'm looking at them as we speak. Yes. Um, Promociones Contreras. I mm-hmm. definitely said that one right. Um, and then I, uh, either way, she went to <laughs> she went to Mexico and she came back a different wrestler. Yes, um, a, a transformed wrestler. Right. And it's it, it to me, it's interesting, right, in the world of Joshi, because I don't really get excursions, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously that's the usual for Piro, 
that excursions happen all the time. Excursions to Mexico specifically mm. happen all the time. Uh, but Hanukkah taking one, it really did, even if it was not for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of matches, right? It wasn't the, you know, year plus long <laughs> excursion. She wasn't mm. gone that long, but it does um, give her a chance to learn and, and transform herself. So when she comes back, she's somehow an even bigger star in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's a fascinating period because like, you know, you hear of the excursions that the Puro guys take and like, obviously new Japan guys go to CMLL and you know, that has a certain grandeur to it. And, you know, then you hear Hana Kimura's going to excursion to Mexico and the first footage we see, it's like she's wrestling in a tent pavilion and it's, it's it's very kind of throw together rough shad and it's fascinating to see that as kind of like where she goes to learn and she didn't need to take this trip like she could have rested on her laurels and kept doing her thing and been very comfortable obviously the daughter of a famous wrestler with a lot of connections she had working stardom as a regular you know she had basically she was set up she didn't need to take this risk, go away for months and yeah, potentially lose stock in Japan because uh, it wasn't really being broadcast. You weren't getting a lot of information. Uh, but again, like it's a risk she took and it's, she backed herself. And I think part of it was just living life as well. And if nothing else, those experiences she had helped make her feel utterly unique to every other wrestler on that roster. Another big experience, of course, was going to ring of honor in 2018 ring of honor she so she competed in the ring of honor women's honor uh title tournament she lost Mm -hmm. to sumi sakai who i'm pretty sure went on to win um if i'm not mistaken i believe sumi sakai did win the woman of honor uh tournament that year um she held the title for a while if i'm not mistaken um and you know the woman (laughs) the woman of honor world championship isn't a uh prestigious title by it doesn't even exist anymore no but said, it was held by my Utani, which is all that matters exactly so more prestige than uh had any right to have uh but she you know she made her ring of honor debut as part of that tournament uh mm-hmm. she would return in june that year uh for best in the world a way to tie would team with kelly klein against jenny rose my Utani, sumi sakai to neil dashwood um which is wild team um <laughs> Remember she the rumors to... that Emma or Tennille Dashwood were going to come to stardom and it was uh, contractual disputes over money? That were wild times. Yeah. Congrats on dropping the ball, Tennille Dashwood. Uh, um, I remember that. I remember yeah. that. I wasn't even watching stardom yet. And I remember seeing that. Um, but this, her going to Ring of Honor was the breakthrough for a lot of people becoming stardom fans. Mm. Um, that, that is something I learned very quickly when talking to so many people when I did those episodes, like people saw her and were like, I need to, I need to watch whatever promotion this is. Um, you know, a friend of mine, Dylan, he says like, this is like, and he, he, he kind of, you know, he travels about it now, but like he was at the time he, 2018, he's not, he's still very young. Um, he was probably like. I don't know, 15, 16 or something. He said, he's like, that's the most beautiful girl in the world. I have to watch this. And that's how he broke into stardom. Mm, and I just mm. think that's funny. Now, you know, now he does stardom coverage and stuff like that. So obviously it's just like, it's crazy to think just like how, how she, her presence 
right? In the, in the world of Ring of Honor, of all places, right? Ring of Honor isn't known for their women's pro wrestling. No. They're known for, you know, a lot of the people you see on TV now in American wrestling. Um, the men's side of things, of course. Mm-hmm. Ring of Honor still exists, but you get my point. Especially back then, though, like 2018, they were they were pretty... They were pretty popular still. They had the, you know, the elite fellows and stuff. In like many that. ways, that was their peak in terms of like mainstream wrestling distribution. Mm-hmm. People were it more was. aware of Ring of Honor and their wrestlers than ever. Exactly, exactly, and and I, I I always I always love that she got to do that mm. because I don't know. For me, it's like. Thinking back, obviously, you know, we, we, we desperately missed her, but I'm I'm so happy she got that opportunity because she was going to be a major star, yeah, in the America. Like she would have been, you know, we people talk about how Julia is that now, mm-hmm. right? The mm-hmm. she's a star wherever you put her. That's what Hana Kimura was, and maybe to another degree in a lot of ways, right? And I talk about it here. She had that chance, and it proved she made a lot of fans just by wrestling in you know six minute matches, right? Mm. I mean, come on, what an impact um, to do something like that, and 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 seeing the Oedo Tai dance in Ring of Honor. I've I've watched that video multiple times because I'm like, what? what? This is a weird reality. <laughs> <laughs> They they just encaptured everyone, and, and again, like obviously Hana Kimura, but Aweta Tai as a whole, it just worked so well, and they shone off of each other. And you know, this is really like anyone who saw her before this moment kind of always thought, yeah, like she can break through and become a big star. This kind of proves that like this doesn't it doesn't need to be restricted to Japan. You know, you can put her in America, you can put her in England or whatever. And just send her out there and people will go, who is this? Where does she come from? How can I see more? And, yeah, Julia in many ways kind of feels like the 2.0 for that compared to Hannah. But the big difference was Julia can't really speak English. Hannah Kimura's English was pretty passable. And that would have been such a valuable asset if she'd gotten more chances to do Ring of Honor tours or done more stardom tours over there. Or in this day and age with New Japan, like going over there, she would have had such a leg up because her English was already there and just that natural, perfect kind of one-view aura that changes people's impressions of what wrestling can be. And we'll we'll talk about her even bigger chance in Ring of Honor. Um, Mm. In the next episode, of course, because you know she got to wrestle in Madison Square Garden, which is again very cool. I think I forget what my like one of my favorite stats is. It's like I think it's Mayu Yutani, Aja Kong, and Hanakamura, the only um, women's wrestlers to wrestle in both Madison Square Garden and the Tokyo Dome, Mm-mm. which is like the coolest <laughs> it's just like the coolest yeah. thing that that's true um uh but back to back to a way to tie sorry to go off but we had to hit all the little things she also went to pro wrestling eve yes. um too which i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to not include them uh they went to spain a few times too if that matters to anyone which well, that was sort of part of the swa connection as well yes. yeah the RCW. We, see a lot. we still see uh wrestlers had there now, Joshi wrestlers. Mm. Uh, Takumi Roja did that earlier this year. Yep. Miyamasha Miyamasha did that well. last year. Um, so that's not that's not a uh, crazy thing that just stopped. Um, the title reign 
I should go back to, you know, the Hanakamura and Kigetsu title reign. Um, that obviously <clears throat> came to an end um, 2018, losing to Mayu Tani and Saki Kashima. Mm-hmm. Um, you were watching. I I wasn't. So uh, can you tell me a little bit about, th- you know, kind of the end of their reign? And I mean, really overall reign. Too. We talked. Yeah. We brisked by it, but I want to get back to it because that is such a key part of her career, and kind mm. of it. It also created the next steps for her career as well. Yeah, this was really a solidifying moment for her in the sense that you know she had this basically year long reign, and it kind of proved that you know for all of the visual aspects of her character and the performative aspects, uh, she could hang, hang with kind of the top tier wrestlers. And obviously, we've helped from Kigetsu in a lot of ways, but, you know, she felt comfortable there. She felt like a performer. And, you know, at this young age, you were looking at her going, well, it's a matter of when and not if mm. she becomes big. And it just, the question was what, was, what was it going to take for her to make that next step? And obviously, this was around the time Hazuki was starting to find her feet as well. Momo Watanabe was having her massive reign. And it was very exciting seeing all these young wrestlers really starting to find their feet and get that leg up. And, yeah, it, the debate was, like, who who is going to be the biggest star? Obviously, Momo Watanabe was in many ways the wrestler's favorite in the terms of in ring but everyone kind of looked at Hanukkah and was like well even if you're not a big fan of her in ring work you can't deny what she brings to the table um and you know I think the rain ended at the right time not just because obviously Hannah had other things she had to move on forward with but you know the story of Maya Watani trying to win the titles and you know the story that came from uh Tam Nakano leaving Oedo Tai joining Maya Watani and you know Saki Kashima coming in with my obviously one of the former wrestlers that you know she wasn't an OG OG but she kind of was she was 1.5 um yeah that meant a lot but also bred into the Tam Nakano story that would go on with Mayu and you, you can't ignore the Hanakamura connection in that so I remember it feeling like the right move um it was time for those champions to kind of move forward into the next stage of things but uh, it was a fantastic reign. Um, it only kind of continued to affirm people's love of Oedo Tai and Hanukkah Now, with when, when talking about Hanukkah right, and where she'd go from that, it wasn't too long after that that you know the breakaway would happen from Oedo Tai. Of course, the mm. There was a World of Stardom Championship match, no DQ, uh, where she challenged Kigetsu. Um, I don't know if we should hit that now or the next episode. Well, I feel like that's the progression into the next episode. Okay. So I okay. think that's where we kind of start things off. All right. Perfect. Uh, because it's like, you know, it's right there. This is the, yeah. ch- it's the change, mm. but it's important part she's of Oedo Oedo Tai, too. but by the end of it, she's not. Yeah. It's an important part of Oedo Tai, too, mm. right? It's, it's, it's where she, you know, ends it and starts anew. But we'll we'll say that for next episode. Yeah. Now, I admittedly, and I admitted this at the beginning. My my all most of my knowledge outside of matches um, and skits, I watch like you know you see them on Twitter or stuff like that. Mm. Um, I I didn't get to follow the full away to tie um, 
time of Hanukkah more. It's like one of the things I plan to eventually go back and watch full of or as much of. Mm. Um, that being said, um, I, I do have the general idea and there is no um there's no hanukkah more to that next level without what she went through with the way of time yeah and and i mean that in like yeah obviously she's gonna be a star Hmm. but i don't know if it would have felt as perfect as it was when she left and moved on to tokyo cyber squad right if like if 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 and in learning from Kagetsu, right? Learning from someone who really was, again, at one point, if 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 Mayu Yutani was the heart or of stardom, Kagetsu was the soul mm. around that time. And I, I think that's kind of what made Hana just this n- other level as a performer, right? Working off of someone like Kagetsu at all times and Natsu. I want to give a lot of credit to Natsu, Chris Wolf. I want to give credit to the whole group. Yeah. Like, but again, it goes back to the Kagetsu thing and tagging with Kagetsu and, you know, learning craft from someone like that on an in ring perspective. She was the, the veteran. Right. By the time Hana was ready to move on, she was ready. And it was because mm-hmm. of that tag team run and that title match and the match with Kigetsu in the five star. Like it all goes back to Kigetsu in a lot of ways. And that's, I think, why I kind of, that's my appreciation of it mm. personally. Cause I, I, yeah. I didn't get to see every skit. I didn't get to see, I didn't get to see it progress. Mm. Mm. So my appreciation of it is, and it helps, you know, watching Matane later on in, just understanding how their relationship is what made Hanakamura better than she could have been had you know she been with someone else. It opened up so many opportunities for her because obviously in the tag team run, you had that veteran in-ring worker to kind of carry stuff when maybe Hana's in-ring stuff wasn't quite where it needed to be for the level of matches they were having. And it gave someone a fantastic character to bounce off of and work with because the Kigetsu character was so dynamic. There's so much you could do with it. And the Hunter character was able to work with that so beautifully as kind of that young upstart character that melded with the Kagetsu role, melded with the rest of Oeno Tai. And, like, you look at Tokyo Cyber Squad and that character, even the faction, but specifically the character, mm. and it is kind of like a more mature version of the Oeno Tai Hanakamura. In Oeno Tai, she's, you know... A, She's a teenager, rebellious, kind of find her own way and kind of, you know, sticking the middle finger up at management. And Joko Cyber Squad, she does that too, but, like, it's almost more like I'm defying management by opening the door to everyone else. And whereas Oedo Tai was kind of me against the world, Tokyo Cyber Squad was me with the world. Very well said. Um, And... You know, as we kind of get close to the end here of the Oedo Tai time, and, you know, the, we try to keep these episodes around an hour. Um, mm. I think we do a pretty good job at that. Um, that being said, I expect TCS to go a little bit longer um, because we're doing the, you know, after TCS too. Yeah. Um, but I will, I will say, watching... You know, seeing Hanukkah more for the first time as someone who had no idea 
I was watching Hanukkah and and then you know knowing along the way and watching her in matches like the gauntlet that you know we briefly talked about we talked about that a lot uh, mm. previously so that's why we're not really going into it um to an extreme level um but that's a very important match right in mm. Oedo Tai and that comes to the Tanakama story you talked about and she's great in that match um oh. because of kind of the the way she plays to that um and overall i think it's just like you you can you can hit so many moments in stardom history right especially from those three years or even to i say 2018 2019 specifically Mm -hmm. um where it's all connected to her right you bring up the tan nakano mayu utani stuff and it's like yeah, uh, we bring up we bring up Oscar Veni, who's you know it's not stardom, but it's still a connection to present day pro wrestling and mm. Joshi, and and it all dates back to back then when she was just getting started, right? When she was just yeah. getting her, you know, you know, she was just jumping in and and <laughs> figuring out who the hell she was as a wrestler, while also playing two characters, one one a more you know cheerleader-ish happy baby face while the other is this almost mysterious yet inviting character right just her posing on the turnbuckle and stuff like that with this ultimate presence mm. um it it again plays to like it, it, we, we toss around the word prodigy and that is a word and maybe it's because you know we're so far removed now but it's a word that would have belonged as part of a Hanukkah because that's what yeah. she was. Yeah, she was a prodigy. She stepped in at 18 and she was ready to be a main eventer pretty much within a year or two, which it's just it's asking a lot, obviously, mm. right? And mm. she didn't have to be that yet, but she was able to. Yeah, and it, it goes to that away to tie. And it goes to working Kigetsu. It goes to, of course, who her mother is and those relationships she made and coming up in Wrestle One and being someone unique in stardom, just you know, from different styles. And I I have an appreciation because as I think to like TCS and what that would become and you know the draft, which we'll talk about, and things like that, you just get it's so interesting to me how she always showed those signs she just fully got to embrace them as a leader Mm. but it was always it was always there like that that pure hanakamura tokyo cyber squad leader that became like the most popular wrestler in stardom it was there every step of the way it just became full-fledged when you know she got the chance yeah, it was just a matter of when everything would click because, yeah, from the moment she walked into stardom, it did kind of feel like, okay, this is where she feels like she needs to be long-term. This is where she's going to make her name. This is where she's going to truly succeed. Just when when will, when will it all click? And, you know, she had the charisma down pat. She had the character work down pat. The, the in-ring work came and, like, yeah, it's easy to forget that she only had a couple of years experience and she was being thrust in these big situations and, you know, she adapted very well. And, you know, as we would see with her TCS run, the in-ring work caught up with everything else. 
Um, and we were finally starting to see that perfect vision of what top-tier main event Hanakamura that we saw in her in 2017, where that was going to finally flourish. Um, before... Before we leave, well, not leave, but you know, and wrap up this episode, um, is there is there like, do you have like an exact favorite moment um, from Oedo Tai? Like, if you could pick one, um, which is asking a lot because you know I asked you like what your favorite parts of it was, but do you have like one whether it was a match, a moment, um, just you know maybe maybe something that maybe someone doesn't, someone else doesn't notice, right? Mm, um, mm. It's stuff like that. It's it's hard to nail down one intricate moment because, like, so many of them are little moments that all tie into one big overarching theme. I think if it's if yeah, it, this isn't the exact moment, but like, whenever you watch the pre-match promos for Oedo Tai, because that's if you if you only started watching Stardom in the last year, you might not realize they used to do pre-match promos for every match that they ran. And you watch the Oedo Tai stuff, and Kagetsu might be speaking. And obviously, like, your eyes are turned to the character speaking or to the subtitles, so you know what's going on. But make sure to take that time to just look to the side and watch what Hana's doing, whether it's with Natsu Samir, whether it's reacting to what's being said, whether it's with Tam Nakano, you know, just kind of being playful, kind of best friends in high school, whether it's, like, feeding meat to Chris Wolf or something, like... There's just something so endearing about the way she carries herself in those moments. When when the camera's not purely on her, when it's not all about her. And it's not that she's trying to steal the show, it's just she's working every aspect. Um, and another example um, would be when Tam Nakano, this is after they broke up um, and Tam Nakano was with stars now. Um, and she had her kung fu theme and she was coming out to the ring and generally when you know someone comes out to the ring the camera goes to them and follows them coming to the ring basically the entire time the camera is focused on Hanukamura because she's there entertaining the crowd you know mocking Tam with like exaggerated kung fu movements and stuff and Again, it's not taking attention away from Tam. I'm sure she didn't go to start a management and say, look, I know you normally film you know, the entrance, <laughs> but focus on me. This is just her entertaining like the 10 to 50 people in front of her on that corner of the ring. But she's so magnetic a personality and so entertaining that even the camera work can't help but focus on her. Um, again, that's not just one singular moment, but it's just the little things that kind of show you what made Hunter so special, especially during our wedding time. This gives me a good chance, maybe better than any, because we will have a lot to talk about in the next two episodes. Um, but I will say maybe my favorite Hanukkah thing actually doesn't even come from something I've witnessed. It comes from, so I was told, I was told this story by friend JPQ. Um, a lot of people know who he is. Um, he went to the New York stardom show and how they were doing signings. Hannah Kumar had the biggest line and she took the time to talk to everyone mm. and learn. And because she wanted to, you know, she wanted to learn too, right? She wanted to learn English and, 
she also had an appreciation to everyone that wanted to see her. And I think in this, I forget the exact person that he wanted to see and, and maybe they had to leave or something. She waved everyone over. Oh, come over here. Like, come talk to me. And I, I it's, it's just magical. And this was, you know, when she wasn't a way of time anymore, but I want to talk about it anyways, mm. because it plays to that, you know, doing the Kung Fu and being the center of attention, um, not on purpose. It's just natural. It was natural yeah. for her. And, uh, that's my, that's like maybe the best story I've ever been told. Um, you can, you can hear him, uh, tell that actual story on one of the podcasts that I did, but, uh, I remember just hearing that and how, how he, she was willing to spend time with everyone that went out that day to see mm-hmm. them. And it was, I believe it was after she wrestled. So like, she was already tired. Yeah. She wanted, you know, she, she could have, she could have been like, all right, that's enough. Goodbye, everybody. But she, she took the time. And I think, um, that's a story I like to share before we get into the next chapter, which was, of course, her most popular. Um, but I guess that's it for the Away of Thai section here. Hmm. Um, kind of the coming up for Hakamura. We try, these shows are, epi- these, excuse me, these episodes are difficult because you want to get everything, mm. but you don't want to, you don't want to take too much time either, right? And with Hana, I know we're going to talk forever on the other two episodes, and the Oedo Tai stuff is maybe the, for, for long-time Stardom fans, it's the most well-known. But for newer fans, it's probably the lesser known. So I mm-hmm. wanted to appreciate that. We're going to talk about her matches with uh, Kigetsu and and many others. We'll talk about Five Star Grand Prix in 2019. That is a tournament that I actually have wrote an article for. Um, so I'll share some thoughts about that. We'll talk about the relationship with Jungle Kiona and Konami and and what TCS was all about and her relationship with Rina, right? Mm-hmm. And Kyori Oniyama and how that came about and as you can tell it's like it's such a bright moment like all of TCS is so bright mm. like and so exciting and that's you know by by look and by just how they felt uh they were bright in many ways but like I am sitting here getting excited about it and then we have to go into the you know the other part but we're 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 gonna do our best right um I it, it's hard to talk about Hanukkah it's hard and maybe it's hard for some people to listen but I hope when you listen to these episodes you get an appreciation for who she was mm, mm. as a professional wrestler as a person that's why that's why Trent brings up the kung fu right the and 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 we bring up the relationship with Asuka and just everything that she was and will forever be Hmm. And uh, I look forward to uh, continuing that on the next episode here. We'll record that uh, very soon, and it'll be a lot of fun. And then we'll get into the matches and her legacy in the third episode. So uh, any plugs, Trent, before we sign off? Uh, just the usual, you know, Ocean Cyclone show. If you like what we do and, you know, want to hear a third voice in the mix, we have a monthly series. Recently recorded our most recent episode, which will be going out hmm. um I believe this weekend, 
uh, it goes out. Mm. I've got stuff in the works on the written format, but I can't tell you when that comes out because I don't know when it comes out because mm. it's not written yet, let alone not scheduled. So uh, check me out on Twitter at One Up Culture to find out the full details there when I get around to it. I'd like to uh, thank Trent for leading leading us through this because um, some, I don't always realize how hard it is to talk about this until I'm talking about it because because I've done the podcast about her mm. like I've done it I've talked to people I did it one year after I did it two years after um, and, and just thinking back and. I just appreciate because listen, this is this was not my best episode. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, might have been my worst Stardom Road episode, but that's okay. That's why we have Trent here to lead the way when I'm uh, tripping on my words nonstop. But if uh, you want to follow me, follow me at Scotty Wrestling on Twitter. Follow Trent at One Up Culture on Twitter. Um, you can see some pictures from his time in Japan, which is always mm. fun, and a picture yeah. with Takumi Roha, which is always yes. lovely. Um, I actually have a new podcast coming out, and this Ooh. I swear to God, this is the last one. Sure, <laughs> um, sure, sure. Um, but it, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's something different for me. Um, it, it it's is about wrestling. Yeah, it's about then it's not different. It's not that. Not that <laughs> um, it is a podcast called Cage Match Weekly, uh, a podcast working with cagematch.com. Uh, oh, dot net. Dot net. Dot yeah, net. It'll be up on there. Uh, I think it's the first English podcast that will talk AEW and WWE on the platform. So that's very exciting for me. Um, I'll be doing that with Dylan Fox of Eastern Lariat. So I'm looking forward to that. I don't really talk WWE and AEW much anymore. So we'll see. Thanks <laughs> a plenty coming this way. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if, you, if you're into that. But of course, if you're not and you want to see my joshi content which is where most people i think that's where most people want to see my stuff well if you're uh, listening uh, an hour and 20 minutes into stardom road it's probably why you're here yeah i would hope so um i have a i have an a preview out for the fukioka show i'll have plenty of podcasts go check out the um all-star grand queendom review over on the fight game media youtube channel that's free it's free live Ooh. i think we we did really good on that i'm really i'm really proud of it two out two and a half hours if you for some reason want to hear more about that show um and you haven't heard enough go check that out that's probably that's probably my best plug um i expect more content as the weeks go on but i never actually know so uh i'll wrap us up here for trent i'm scott this was the stardom road podcast hanakamura part one We'll see you next time for Hanukkah Part 2, Tokyo Cyber Squad and beyond. See ya! This has been a Countout Podcast.